Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan Jayaraja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work online, texfootball.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can follow us on Twitter, DCTF. Uh, you can pick up the recruiting magazine, which is still, I think, on bookshelves now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can obviously get it online. And we're joined again today by Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, I think we mentioned this the last episode. It's off-season, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing to talk about. Yeah. So, it's, it's, you know, obviously, we got some stuff to talk about. You'll, we'll talk about in, uh, you'll go through the, the agenda in a second. Well, well first, first I, have to, I have to ask you. So, obviously, okay. Ish is our, our basketball editor over sure. here. Yes. That game last night that you were at. Oh, my God. Okay, so the doubleheader. Yes. Both games. Uh, I was at me and Matt Stepp, uh, our Texas high school football insider, were at the Wilkerson Grind Center in Fort Worth. Uh, the doubleheader was DeSoto-Duncanville. That was kind of the headliner. Um and featuring, obviously, probably the highlight players, Jemise Ramsey, uh, committed to Texas Tech from Duncanville. And that game went into overtime, almost went into second overtime. It was, honestly, it came down to the fact that Duncanville had Jemise Ramsey. Uh, he put up about 30, I think, 30 or 32. Man. He was really, he... Texas Tech commit, by the way. Yeah, Texas Tech commit. I can't wait to see Chris Beard get a hold of him because <laughs> he is, he's a stud. Um, yeah, the, the crazy thing about Ramsey, and not not to get too far sure, into sure, no. with, with basketball talk, right. but no, uh, but you know, you talk about these guys that Chris Beard is turning into NBA players right yeah. now. Yeah. Zaire Smith and Jarrett Culver so mm-hmm. far, and he, I think Ramsey is in that Zaire Smith mold of this kid's a great athlete, and I can't sure. wait to see Chris Beard turn him into a basketball player. Yeah, and he is overwhelmingly the best prospect that they've gotten. Sure. Yeah, because he's number 30, I think, on, on 247. Right. And, and I believe, and, yeah, he's top 10 in the state right now. Yeah. <clears throat> and excuse me, right now. And, easily yeah. a consensus four-star. I mean, sure. It, it, so he's the first, like, guy. Sure. That, the sure thing that they've gotten. Sure. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we've seen what Chris Beard has been able to do. And yeah. I'll tell you what, it was funny because there, were, there was so much going on last night, mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday night, for, for those of you listening, uh, because that was happening. Mm-hmm. TCU got into a weird triple overtime game against West Virginia that they ended up losing. Yep. Uh, the Raptors just killed the Celtics, just murdered them, and then Duke lost. Yeah. Just And this was all <laughs> happening at the same time, and my brain was so confused. Yeah. And then uh, later on, the nightcap at the doubleheader was uh, Euless Trinity upsetting number three North Crowley with wow. Miles Turner in attendance. Yeah, Miles Turner uh, in repping, attendance. Pacers play here tonight. Right, yeah. Pacers play the Mavericks tonight, or thir- uh, Wednesday, uh, if you're listening. And, uh, yeah, Miles Turner was there. I, It took me, like, a good 30 seconds to realize <laughs> who it was. I was like, who's that 6'11 black dude <laughs> not suited to play wearing a Letterman jacket? And then I looked at the shoes. I kind of looked at it. I was like... Oh, that's Miles Turner. Okay, yeah. and then sure, if I put the school together. Oh, made sense. Looked up the schedule. Yeah, they're in town for the for the to play the Mavs. And yeah, he was. He's not like a bystander either. He's full on, like yeah. ready to go. Like he was up every layup. He's clapping. Yeah. He's I, ready to go. He was. He was repping Trinity uh, hard. Yeah, he. I mean, there aren't a lot of guys who really, really own Dallas. Sure, but Miles Turner does that. Oh, yeah. he, he loves he that basketball it. scene. He I, I've seen it. him even just. He was, giving some, he was giving some kids, like, uh, at halftime, like, when they were coming back on the court, he's, he was talking to the – I'm pretty sure he's close with Andre Nunley, the point guard. Yeah. And uh, he was talking with him a little bit about, like, just, you know, he's motioning, like, you know, cut to the basket, and, you know, <laughs> you, you know, you have him you have him when you go to his left and all this kind of things. And I was like, man, he is really involved. He loves – like, he still reps Trinity hard. Yeah, yeah. You got to love it. You yeah. got to love it. Uh, anyway, 
enough basketball talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, that's for another podcast. But, uh, but like we mentioned, this week we have the NFL Combine, mm-hmm. which, which obviously uh, you know doesn't explicitly involve college football, but a right. lot of guys who are recently big in the state. Uh, a lot of players from the state of Texas obviously invited to the Combine, led by Texas A&M, I think having eight guys there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, big year for them, which also means they have to replace eight guys, <laughs> but, uh, but big year for, for Texas, and that doesn't count, obviously, guys like Kyler Murray, guys like Deontay Thompson, uh, who are Texas high school football products who mm-hmm. are going to be competing at the Combine for, to be a first-round pick. But, and we're not going to touch this because it, it would be way too hard to try to go through and figure out every single Texas high school football product who's going to be invited to the combine. But, so just looking at this list, who do you think is going to be the guy from the state of Texas at the combine? I mean, the first one's obviously Ed Oliver. Yeah. That's kind of the first one that stands yeah, out. That, that, that's the lazy answer. Because yeah, because like it's, it's the, it's, I think, here's, here's why I think he, I think he still has. I don't want to say a lot to prove, but I feel I feel like he's the story because a lot of NFL scouts and you kind of see this in mock drafts. They kind of look at him as an undersized defensive tackle. Yeah, right. And <laughs> shout out to Aaron Donald. Right. Um. Exactly. And so I think what they're going to look for is he obviously is a physical freak because I mean just based off his size, yes, he is an undersized defensive tackle, but his athleticism and his skill set over overshadow that. And so I think they're going to look for a lot of those, a lot of those physical features to stand out, right? right? Like how much, like his bench press and all that stuff. Like obviously we put way too much stock into that, but someone like Ed Oliver, who is already getting nicked for being undersized, they're going to see an undersized dude. Oh, but he can bench press this much. Like he, that doesn't matter, right? The size doesn't matter. And they're going to look for him to show out in these shuttle drills and all, like the speed to stand out, things of that nature. I, I've just always been confused that at defensive tackle specifically, that mm-hmm. height is something that we look at so much. Yeah, it's it's a little weird. It's a little weird because you want to get low to the ground anyway. Now, now, well, he's also I believe he's also uh, his playing weight probably is sub three hundred. Yeah. So like you know that's probably I think the the weight is a little more of a thing. Yeah. And granted, he's probably like point zero zero percent body fat. So like it's pro- <laughs> right. it's not it's not exactly just like. 290 of nothing, right. but he is 280, 290, and sure. I think that might be the bigger word. Sure, sure. But, you know, and, and lengthwise, from what we've seen, he's been fine. And sure. obviously, just the activity. It, right, exactly. it, it does remind you of an Aaron Donald. Sure. And if you're an NFL team heading into this draft, seeing how dominant Aaron Donald has been at that level, this Ed Oliver is that level of player. Yeah. You know, and, and, and actually, I think that this, is, this has the opportunity to be a big week for him because. You know, Oliver came onto the scene back in 2016 yeah. and has dominated since then. Been a three-time All-American, consensus All-American last year, if not mm-hmm. unanimous, actually. Uh, what's hurt a little bit this year? And, and I think that when you have a guy who's that good for that long, mm-hmm. it's so easy to read into him too much. Sure. It's so easy to say, hey... Wow, sure, you were great then, but uh, but maybe now that I've seen you this many times... It's the Jadavion Clowney effect. Right. Where you're like, oh, he came. He probably could have come out his sophomore year, someone like right. Ed Oliver, um, but obviously he couldn't. And so that you're, you're done praising him, and like you've praised him enough, so now it's like, okay, well, what's wrong with him? 
<laughs> right? And so, like, eventually it turns into we've said enough good things. Now we got to kind of make yeah. up some bad things I can't, to say. I can't wait for that to happen in two years with Trevor Lawrence. Right. That's going to that's gonna absolutely happen with Trevor yeah, Lawrence. It, it's it, like, oh, I don't know. You know, Clemson's offense is pretty easy to run. And, yeah. you know, it's uh, yeah, going to happen. He doesn't run an NFL-style offense. Right. And, it's, yeah. It's uh, naturally going to happen. Right. And, and so, ultimately, I think that this might be a good opportunity for him to go out there and remind everybody, wait, there's a reason yeah. that everybody's been watching me for so long because I am that dominant physically. Sure. Because when you're compared up against these guys just head-to-head, mm-hmm. I mean, Oliver's going to beat all of them. Right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, and so I think that this is going to be an opportunity for him to show out. Now, the one thing is I think expectations are going to be really high. Sure. So if he has a pretty good combine, maybe that's enough to scare some people right. in a funny way. Yeah. But, again... To me, I, I was talking with with some of my friends who are who are kind of NFL draft nicks about this. If it's me, and I'm looking at the top of that draft, I just think that a dominant dominant defensive tackle is one of the most underrated things that you can have in football. Yeah, because having an edge rusher is great, but sure. you you see it. You know, d- uh, during the NFL season last year, mm-hmm. the Rams were able to collapse pockets from the front. Right. And that's, and that's so hard to because what do you do? Then you have right. to then you have to run out, and right. then you're running into. There are a lot of good edge edge rushers in the league right now. Exactly, and we can say whatever we want about Bosa, but Bosa's getting credit because he didn't play very much. Right, exactly. I think I think when you look at this draft, I think there are, along with that Oliver, there are probably two other linemen. Yeah. That you could be in, that could you be you, that are in the discussion. Right, sure. one of them is Bosa. Yeah, and the other one's probably Kenan Williams. Yeah, and those three. I don't like the fact that Ed Oliver's kind of falling out of that conversation. Like, yeah. Ed Oliver's kind of falling to the back. Like, I understand, right? A dominant defensive end is a franchise changer. Definitely. Right? Like, as... Yes, an Aaron Donald is awesome. <laughs> but, like, we've seen what an edge rusher can do in a J.J. Watt or a Jadavian Clowney when he's healthy, when they're together. Like, that level of player is a, a Von Miller, right? That level of player is, is something elite. Um... But I just don't like that Al Oliver's definitely become the third option. Well, I'll tell you what. Okay, I, I have Bucky Brooks' drafts from NFL.com up sure. right now. Okay? okay, Number one, Quinnen Williams, mm-hmm. who, by the way, I like Williams a lot. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of talent around him, too. That's also fair. And, and Now, I don't think that's a knock by any means. Right, but no. just when you're comparing the two, I think the job that you do as the only good here's player the, on your defense. Here's the other thing with Quinnen Williams. Alabama lineman in the NFL. Right. It's been, it's been a little while. It's been a while. Especially, I, I mean, in like... I don't want to ever have that against him, because yeah. for a while it was Alabama linebackers until recently. But, right. you know, you got to break the mold eventually, but right. yeah, I don't know. I mean, because Alabama schemes you so well, they put you in so sure. many good positions, and, and Quentin Williams is awesome, right? Yeah. Like, that's not a question. And, like, Aishon Robinson's had some success in the NFL. Sure. But, but not the level that you'd want from a guy who was that highly You regarded. would think a school like Alabama would be putting out these guys for sure. constantly. So, okay, let's just go through. One, Quinn Williams. Two, Nick Bosa. Three, Josh Allen, who's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Four, Rashawn Gary. Mm-hmm. Five, Devin White linebacker. Six, Dwayne Hassan quarterback. Seven, Kyler Murray quarterback. Eight, Cleland Farrell. See, <sighs> yeah, <Not> about that. <laughs> nine, offensive tackle Joan Taylor. Ten, quarterback Drew Locke. Eleven, uh, tight end TJ Hawkinson. Twelve, Florida defensive end. I don't know how to say his name. Jachai Polite, I okay. think it is. I, I don't I, I apologize. Yeah. Uh, 13, Jen Williams, offensive line. 14, Ed Oliver. 
So you're like the only one I will exclude from that list is Josh Allen, just because he's a specialist, yeah. three, four defensive end yeah. rusher, things like that. Every, like the other defensive lineman you missed, you mentioned. I'm like, yeah. is Rashawn Gary that much of a guarantee over Ed Oliver? Like ten I, spots? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, being having that number one player in the country thing behind you. That, that that lasts, fair. you know. Yeah, that's, that's something fair. that people remember. Now, yeah. Ed Oliver was also a five star. Which, which, for example, if if he was doing this stuff at Houston, yeah, but wasn't a five star, I think that maybe he would be a late riser. I was about to say maybe the Marcus Davenport effect. Yes, where it's like a three two stars. Like, oh look at this guy. You know, he's actually <laughs> right. out better than we thought. Yeah, right, right, right. And so, but again, the, the fact that Jacket Gate has become a real story with. Yeah. The best defensive tackle in this draft is crazy. Yeah, that yeah, that whole situation with Major Applewhite. Which, by the way, Houston, we saw how that planned out. Houston got rid of Major Applewhite. They're like, all right, this wasn't working out, and you know, I don't know. They they that that played out on its own. Like everybody right. kind of realized what happened. Major Applewhite probably overreacted. Both player, both people probably overreacted in some right. way. Ed Oliver frustrated Major Applewhite, probably you know trying to assert his authority a little too much. That's it's not it's not as big of an issue as everybody it's made it out to be. Really, just not that yeah. serious. Right. Anyway, let's move on from Ed Oliver. Yeah. Uh, who are you surprised didn't make the list for the combo? Obviously, the list's been out for a few weeks, but yeah. but just looking at the list now and now, obviously everything happening. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody that you were surprised not to see on there? Yeah, UTSA is Josiah Tauafa. Yeah. Um, because he was a linebacker who, after his freshman season, well, first he's been making plays since his freshman season, right? He's been on the radar. Tackle right? seasons. He's been on the radar for now three years. I understand last year he was probably overshadowed by Marcus Davenport's breakout, absolute breakout season. Fair. Um, but this year, and I get UTSA was bad. He wasn't. <laughs> he was awesome, yeah. and he's been awesome, and he's not just. He's not just a guy who just makes tackles. He makes the proactive play. He's right. the guy who goes in for sacks, for def- tackles for loss. He makes the proactive, game-changing plays. And I felt like a guy like him is somebody that NFL scouts would want to see in this workout against other guys of, 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 of you know, FBS caliber running you know, in these shuttle drills. I want to see how fast Josiah Taleb is, you know? Yeah, and the other thing, too, with that is that you can't act like these scouts didn't know that he was there because right. they were watching Marcus Davenport film. Right. And, and so he the, pops like, off the page. Right. It's like if it wasn't Marcus Davenport making a play, it was probably Josiah Talaf. Right. Pro- I would have been or like, even oh, who's them that in guy? conjunction. Yeah. Right. I was like, oh, who's that guy making the play? Yeah. Like, and he's also he's also an all-conference selection. He was an all-freshman, mm-hmm. I believe, all-American. Yeah. Um, like, he's not a nobody. Right. <laughs> and I get it. UTSA fell to the wayside this year, but that's a guy who – Three years ago, you're marking down like, boom, when's he coming out of the draft? Put a gold star next to his name and make sure that we right. get eyes on him. Right. Well, and and I'm going to go a similar direction with another linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and really the entire defensive unit, but UNT linebacker EJ Ajia. Mm-hmm. I mean, his numbers were absurd this year. Sure. And, and actually, even just looking at that entire North Texas defense, Really surprising that they didn't have a single guy invited. No one. Yeah, because you had Nate Brooks, mm-hmm. pretty good cornerback. Kimon Hall showed a lot of things at cornerback. I think both of them combined for like 10 interceptions. Yeah. Uh, again, you talk about Ajia, you talk about Brandon Garner, the other linebacker. They had a lot of guys mm-hmm. who were awesome last year. And actually, you know, hell, I, I, have, to, I have to pull up EJG's numbers because 
they blow me away every single time. <laughs> 13 games, 121 tackles, 25 tackles for loss, 9 sacks, 11 quarterback carries. Like, I, that's ridiculous. Don't yeah. you at least want to see whether that's real? Sure. <laughs> you know? And, and he's, okay, he's listed at 6'3". I don't know if I'd put him at 6'3". Mm-hmm. But he's 6'1", six, 6'2", six, at least. Yeah. You know, and you want him to add some weight, but you can add weight. You're, yeah, I was about to say, that's the NFL. <laughs> that's, that's the NFL. You, you just get into a program, you're fine. Yeah, and, and so I just look at this. And the thing is, too, is, is like, I know that that this team wasn't great this year, but mm-hmm. against Arkansas, seven tackles, three tackles for loss and a sack. Mm-hmm. So he did this against SEC-level competition. We can talk about how that SEC-level competition was very good. Sure. But he did it against guys who were SEC-level competition. If, yeah. if, if anybody in the SEC posted those numbers against Arkansas, we'd congratulate them. They'd right. say that's great. They're like, man, look how, look how much he dominated. <laughs> right. And, and so you just look across the board. Against Utah State, a game that they got dominated and he still had two tackles for loss mm-hmm. you know it, it's everywhere across the board he dominated and the, I'm just a little surprised that he's not going to get his chance to at least show it at the combine now I think that he's somebody who probably is going to be one of those undrafted free agents who gets a late look mm-hmm. and and somebody sees him at the pro day and is like we we like you yeah. we're going to give you a call as soon as the draft is over yeah um, but it's just a little surprising to me that nobody wanted to look at him and mm. granted it's UNT on top of that with both of these players they're Conference USA linebackers and Conference USA doesn't necessarily get a whole ton of respect especially mm. when it comes to the NFL but uh but look I mean G is really good yeah I mean, I mean I think in a lot of ways he was the best linebacker in Texas this year and uh f- from a production standpoint sure. and if I'm an NFL scout I at least want want to see if that's real mm-hmm. maybe it's not maybe it's playing against bad competition, who knows? Maybe it's scheme. I don't know. Yeah. But I want to know for sure. Right? Sure. I want to at least see, is, is this real? Because he does have the size to play linebacker in the NFL. This mm-hmm. is, And he has the smarts, and he knows the game. And he proved it this year. And he actually hasn't even been playing linebacker that long. Um, I want to say that for a lot of time at his junior college, he was playing offense. Mm-hmm. for a big part of the time so then they they bring him to, to UNT move him full-time to linebacker and he just kind of learned the position now and you see already 121 tackles 25 tackles for loss that's ridiculous yeah anyway so which player do you anticipate raising their value most at the combine I'm gonna go with a bit of a homer pick and I'm going Keenan Brown yeah like go for it here's a guy who's playing with house money first of all um he broke out this year after having no playing time at Oklahoma State uh was the do-it-all guy for Texas State on offense. Uh, PFF rated him. It was basically down to him and Chase Sternberger as the best tight end in the in the nation. Yeah. Like, it's really wild considering how big of a season Jay Sternberger had. Um, and I think he's a guy who, once you get him... Because if you saw Texas State this year, which I don't blame you if you didn't, <laughs> um, if you saw Texas State this year, you're like, who's that really athletic-looking, like, 6'4", tight end who looks a little big, but for some reason moves wiry. And, right. like, he was, yeah, he lo- he moved like a guy who shouldn't, he looked like a guy who shouldn't move like that. Right. <laughs> and he was able to shift his weight and use his agility really smartly and effectively. And I think at some place like the Combine, that's a perfect place for him to show that off. And I think teams are going to look and they're going to say, oh, we have potentially a really athletic tight end, like in somebody in the mold of a Jared Cook. Right, like an athletic tight end who, if you really get the right scheme around him, you got a dude. And 
I'm not saying he's going to be a, a day one draft pick, but, you know, he could – if at the end of the combine, we start seeing some mock drafts have Keenan Brown as a late day two. Yeah. I would not be surprised yeah. because he's, he's that mold of guy where he's not, over, not incredibly tall, not incredibly big. He's like – if he was like 15 pounds lighter, he'd be a receiver. Yeah. And, like, that's really all the rage in the NFL right now yeah. is that tight end who basically should be a receiver. And on top of everything, he's a great blocker. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> he's a he, great I think blocker. PFF rated, them, uh, rated him their top tight end blocker. Yes. And, and again, I think that for a lot of the time with, uh, with lower-level college guys, with group of five guys, mm-hmm. um, it really is just seeing do the physicals match the tape. Right. You know, do physicals match the production. Mm-hmm. And. You know, Keenan Brown started his career at Oklahoma State. He's somebody who was athletic enough to play at that level. Yeah. Oklahoma State just doesn't really use a tight end very often. Sure. And uh, he goes into a situation where they use him correctly, mm-hmm. slash at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you see him blow up. So I, I definitely agree. I'm going to go with a two-parter with this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one, and one guy who we've already heard a little bit has gotten a little bit more interest than expected, TCU defensive lineman LJ Collier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Collier is actually kind of risen above Banigou in a lot of people's minds and and actually I think it was uh oh gosh it was it, it was it Daniel Jeremiah I think the NFL, uh, from the NFL Network who said mm-hmm. that Oakland might be looking at him with their late first oh wow yeah and and Collier proved late in the year that he was a dominant type player sure and and that he could be that level of pass rusher and He's really interesting, too, because I think he has a level of versatility mm-hmm. at the next level where you can maybe slide him both inside and outside yeah. uh, just because of his size. He's a great bull rusher. Um, you know, and, and like I said, you know, I love when you can get an interior pass rush. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things in football, when you can get an interior pass rush. He has the potential, I think, to do that. The other guy I'm going to mention is Baylor cornerback Derek Thomas. Ah, nice uh, one. Yeah, and, and this is a guy who not many people know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, honestly, in, in the Big 12, didn't get enough credit for how good he was. Yeah. Uh, I like that he got an invite, first of all. Yes, like, yes. Yeah, like you mentioned, great. kind of under the radar. Well, and you look at his profile, right? He's mm-hmm. a big cornerback yeah. who still has great hips. He actually was a grad transfer to Baylor from Temple where he played under Matt Rule previously. Uh, he's listed at 6'3", 196 playing cornerback. I mm. mean, that's fantastic size if, if you can keep up. And, and from what we saw at Baylor, I think that he can clearly keep up with, you know, maybe not number one receivers, but sure. two and three receivers he seemed to have no problem with. Uh, and, and again, you know, he, he actually split time a little bit at Temple between safety and cornerback, and I think being able to focus now mm-hmm. on being a cornerback is going to help him out a whole lot at the next level. And you just see that profile. I think he's going to athletically test very well. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I think it's going to be one of those two where people see him at the combine, see him perform well in these tests, and they're like, wait, maybe we need to go back and watch that film. Sure. And then you go back and watch that film, and you realize, hey, Baylor's defense wasn't great last year, but Derek Thomas was a standout. And, and cornerback, I think, is an interesting position because when you play well but your defense doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't always show. Fair. Yeah, fair because, because at UTSA with jo- uh, Josiah Tawefa, their defense plays bad, but he's still super productive. Right. You know, if you're it's almost like they, they're just going to run around him. Like, right. It's like, okay, well, it's, there's where he is. Let's go the other target way. target everyone yeah. else. <laughs> right. And, and it's not hard to do that. And yeah. now, now Baylor's secondary, I think, took a step forward last year. But I think that... When you go back and watch his film, and he wasn't even always the primary starting corner uh, cornerback, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they, they kind of rotated guys around with Graylin Arnold, with Harrison Hand, a couple other guys. Um, but I think that Toms is going to come away from the combine as a guy that people go back and watch his film, and I think they're going to really like what they see. Sure. 
So, well, you know, we talked about guys that we think will increase their value. Are there any guys who you think, obviously we don't know until they test, but, right, but right. are there any guys who you think are going to be sort of combine busts per se? Mm. That's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, what do you got about yours? What do you got about yours? <laughs> I, have a, I have one guy in mind, but I want to hear yours. Yeah. Um, whew, you know, I don't know if I have a great one either. <laughs> who do you have in mind? So I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit worried about Chris Boyd. Yeah. Um, he doesn't strike me as a physical freak. Yeah. <laughs> he strikes me as a guy who knows the cornerback position sure. and knows his positioning. And granted, you know, there there's some drills that will be able to show that somewhat, but I feel like he's definitely an in-game, watch-the-film guy. Yeah. Um, I'm worried that because he's not uh, – the big rage in the NFL is definitely the tall cornerback. He's yeah. not very tall. I believe no. he's sub-six foot or maybe I think he's like 5'11". Yeah, 5'11". Um, it would not surprise me if he does not have a great 40 time because we've seen what he's how he's fared against fast receivers sure. in, 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 uh, in game. But he strikes me as a guy who... I don't want to say he'll, his stock will plummet, but you definitely some of the mystique of the lockdown corner can get taken down a bit because you look at who are the top corners in the NFL right now. You look at uh, the Patrick Petersons, the Jalen Ramseys, the, all those guys. They're also kind of physical freaks. Yeah. And I feel like, and granted, I'm not saying Chris Boyd can't be productive in the NFL, but I'm saying that maybe for what the NFL is looking for out of a guy who was dubbed the number one corner of a really good defense, yeah, the combine could hurt him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually looking at that same team, and I'm looking a little bit at wide receiver Lil Jordan Humphrey. Ooh, okay. So Humphrey, to me, mm-hmm. is a fantastic football player. Sure. The combine isn't always the best test of fantastic football players, Fair. right? So the, and and I think it's going to be sort of that similar thing where he's not going to be a physical freak. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to run as fast as people hope he will. Mm-hmm. Um, like, would it, I was about to say, would it shock you if little Jordan Humphrey ran a four six five? Yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. Yeah. And and at the same time, I got to say, like, I don't think that's an issue for him. Right. And I was about I, to say, like, it, yeah, you don't get him to get speed. It <laughs> wouldn't scare me off at all. And yeah. I. I'm curious too because if if he runs a certain level of slow, I'm I'd be interested to see whether teams start looking at him as more of a a tight end, which I don't think is correct. Right. You know, unless you really really use him as like we were talking about with Keenan Brown, one of those modern day tight ends. Where sure. You, but I mean, this guy's a really good receiver. Right. And, and he's he's one of those players who he doesn't explode off the ball mm-hmm. and he doesn't like sort of obviously get open. Like a lot of the throws that you have to make to him are tight windows. Mm-hmm. But he's just so good at placing the ball. Right. And, again, that's not something that always translates to the combine. So I, I think that people are going to start to overthink him a little bit. Sure. <laughs> you know, as sometimes happens with when you get pure numbers. Well, especially because here's the other thing. When's the last time Texas had any productive receiver? Yeah. And now they see one leaving early, and it's like, oh, this guy, right? Like, yeah. I'm trying to think. It was Lima Swede, probably? Yeah. Uh, I'm I mean, trying to think of any others. It might uh, – Quan Cosby wasn't really a pick. Uh, Shipley, I guess. Shipley was Shipley? super productive. Yeah. He was productive. I don't know if he was. I mean, I don't know if he was hyped necessarily. He wasn't supposed to be an NFL guy. Yeah, and so that was. I mean, the Swedes probably the last one. Yeah, and uh, the other. Qu- I have a uh, question. What do you think? If Low Jordan Humphrey performs well in like the skeleton drills and the pra- and the, the the catching drills that they have and all yeah. that stuff, but then runs a four six five. What do you think? What do you think people will take from that? I, I think that people tend to overanalyze the forty number. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is that I don't think he's going to have a good ten yard split. Sure. 
um, you know, which which I think will scare some people off. And again, I just want to emphasize. It shouldn't. That does not matter. Yeah, it should <laughs> Someone not like Lil Jordan Humphrey, that does not matter. Right, because you know he's somebody that you're getting in space, who you're getting against smaller cornerbacks, and not just throwing jump balls to necessarily, mm-hmm. but you're throwing them high, yeah. and he can go and get them because yeah. he's that kind of player. And, and it's not just that you're throwing him jump balls, because I think that there's a little bit of a misconception with him that they're just trying to throw over right. again. No, he's really good at placing the ball anywhere. Yeah. He can and catch. He's, like, got, he's, he's got a he wide catch radius. Yeah, he has great hands. So I think that I think that teams might overthink him a little bit. That's fair. E- even though I think that ultimately whoever ends up with him is going to have a starting receiver in the NFL. Sure. But I think that after the combine, people are going to ignore, like you said, those other drills mm-hmm. where I think he's going to perform well and just look at his 40 time and maybe his shuttle time and it won't be exactly what they want it to be. And then they'll go and draft Darius Hayward Bay. Right, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so uh, There's a guy that ran a 4-3 or a yeah. John Ross, right? Right, right. I still got hope for him. I still have hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I guess we'll wrap up with this. Out of all these guys, and there's still a lengthy list of guys we haven't even talked about. I mean, we haven't talked about a single Texas A&M guy sure. yet. Sure, yeah, eight. Which guy do you think has the most to prove? Hmm. That's a good question. Part of me wants to say. Part of me wants to say Dalen Mack. I was just looking at that. <laughs> I was part of me wants to say Dalen Mack because here's a guy who came in with a lot of hype. Yeah. And was kind of fine. Yeah. <laughs> he he was good. Well, but like when you come in as a five star. Yeah. And you're just kind of good. Yeah. You know, there's still there there seems there's that idea of lost potential. Yeah, and right, and so it's a lot of it's gonna be, where's his, where is he at right now, and how much far does he have to go, if at all, if anywhere? Yeah, I, you know, and and he's done a good job of setting himself apart during some of these off season workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I've heard from scouts and things of that nature, he's one of those guys who's testing very well physically, and he's winning these one on one drills. Sure. Uh, which is what you expected. That's what made him a five-star from Gladewater, mm-hmm. right? And so as a senior, too, he took a big step forward, in mm-hmm. my opinion, under Mike Elko, who just, I think, found ways to use him that John Chavis just didn't seem to. Sure. And, and some of it was just effort, mm-hmm. right? Some of it is just yeah, effort. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's something that you can't necessarily teach, but Elko managed to unlock him a little bit. Now, if, if Dylan Mack wasn't that physical freak, that five-star defensive tackle coming out mm-hmm. just based on his production i don't know if he's a combine invite sure right it, and so i think you're right there's a certain level of hype involved i think that even allows him to get this chance now i think that like we said he there was a reason he was a five-star and it was because of his physical tools mm-hmm. and he proved that they were there at times at tech saying them and i think that this could be an opportunity for him to solidify that and show hey yes this is real. Mm-hmm. This is this is happening. Yeah, um, I'm but, serious about this. Right, and and I think I think you're absolutely right. I think that Dalen Mack is is going to be somebody who will have to show quite a bit at the combine to prove that what he did was real. Mm-hmm. And um, and another guy, because the other guy that I was looking at, who I think might have to do that too, is Antoine Wesley from Texas Tech. Ah, that's a good one. Because Texas Tech has a reputation, obviously. Well, they're they were an air raid offense mm-hmm. and. It's not hard to create opportunities for for receivers in an air raid offense. Sure. The one thing I'll say though too, 
Tech has put a lot of good wide receivers in the NFL. Not necessarily great ones, but Crabtree's still around. Yeah. Kiki Cutie's proven himself. I think Dylan Cantrell's going to be pretty dang good for the next couple of years. I mean, like, Jason Morrow was in this, but, <laughs> but they've put good receivers into the NFL. Now, the big worry, I think, with Wesley, well, I think they're, two, they're twofold. One, our team's going to peg him as just sort of a pure speedster slash jump ball receiver. Mm-hmm. When I think that he can be more than that. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I think is going to ding him is that he has one year of production mm-hmm. because he was nothing before <laughs> that. He had 10 career catches before last season. So, so and, and that's also, I think, going to be a, a thing with Will Jordan Humphrey, too, where he doesn't have a whole lot of production before this past year. But with Wesley, I think that it's so easy to just credit it to the offense that he ran in mm-hmm. when, in a lot of ways, Wesley was the guy creating that offense. Sure. You know, we talk a lot about Alan Bowman, but Alan Bowman was Alan Bowman this year because of Antoine Wesley. Mm, he had a guy like, he had a target like him. Right. And we didn't see him coming at all. We thought that TJ Vasher was going to sure, be that guy. We right. didn't think Antoine Wesley was going to be that guy. And I think that you saw that it dinked him when it came to award season because he was, I think he finished number two in the regular season in total mm-hmm. receiving yards in the entire FBS, but he was pretty consistently passed up by guys like Tylen Wallace, uh, Obviously, Jerry Judy, who mm-hmm. won the Bolitnikov, and I'm not saying that he's better than those guys because right. those guys are awesome, but you did see that I think people took his production for granted because Tech has had so many good receivers over the years. Um, and I'm curious to see whether he can solidify himself as a true sort of, you know, third-round draft pick right. with, with a good performance at the Combine because physically... I mean, he's great. He's very fast. He's very long. You'd like to see him get a little bit stronger because I think he will get jammed a little bit at the next level if he mm-hmm. doesn't add some weight. But there is an opportunity for him to prove it here. But if he has a bad combine, if he runs, like we were talking about, a four six five, yeah. and if he benches seven times mm-hmm. and, and all this stuff, there's a real chance that it could hurt him a lot in the, in the long run. And potentially, I mean, the, the, the ceiling is second, third round pick. The floor is seventh. Yeah. You know, or out. <laughs> or out. And and now I think that he's going to stick around even if it's as an undrafted free agent. But there's an opportunity here for him to make a whole lot of money if he can put forth a good performance at the Combine. And I'm kind of curious to see how he does because I, I'm not even saying that I know the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not – because, for example, with Lil Jordan, I'm like, even if he has a bad Combine performance – I still think he's awesome. Right. With Antoine Wesley, I'm pretty sure he's awesome, but I kind of need to see it a little bit too. Anyway, so like we mentioned, the Combine goes on this weekend. So let me actually try to pull up the schedule real quick. Uh, I know that running backs are reporting today, and they're getting measured right now as we speak on Wednesday. Okay. Um, let's see, the on-field workout schedule. March will be running backs, offensive line, special teams, place kicker. Uh, March 2nd will be quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. March 3rd will be defensive linemen and linebackers. Uh, March 4th will be defensive backs. And, and again, before that, we'll have a lot of guys getting measured, which, by the way, March? Yeah, we still got two more months? <laughs> Good God. Oh, oh my gosh. The draft pro- it's, moving it from April sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the draft process now that it, we have – Four months now. Yeah. Of, no, it's dumb. Yeah, yeah. It's uh... a. <laughs> By the way, uh, I'll just, I'll just, uh, if anyone who's thinking about watching the combine, watch the forty. Yeah, and that's it. Like it's not, it's not a fun watch. You know, I, I'll, I'll double up on that. Uh-huh. 
watch the clip on Twitter of the of the forty. There you go. <laughs> of the right. guys that exactly. you like. Exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> we're talking about a lot of guys. We're talking about you know, Trayvon Williams running the forty. Lil Jordan Humphreys running the forty. There's going to be twenty dudes who you do <laughs> not care about the forty. I don't know who the starting running back at Eastern Eastern Michigan is. He's probably going to the combine and he's probably doing the forty. Like, and, it's, and like, it's not fun. It's always the funniest thing to me too. And it's like, why are you having Eric McCoy run the forty? Right. Who cares? Who cares? I don't care what Kenan Williams <laughs> runs in the forty. It looks funny because he's a big dude right. trying to run fast, and it's like, sure, but yeah, the, I don't care about his forty time. He's going right. to be moving two yards at the most. <laughs> yeah. Now I am. I am interested to see Ed Oliver run because that is just because yeah, that's just like phys- like we just mentioned. That's I, just being a physical freak. And I, I want to see how fast. I wouldn't he can be go. surprised if he ran in like the four seven range at, oh. at nearly three hundred pounds. See, that's fun. That would that'd be, be awesome. <laughs> Everybody else, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. care about the rest of the defensive or offensive line. But you can watch all that combine coverage at NFL Network. And hey, we'll we'll actually have the whole list of text players uh, that are competing in the combine up on the website by the time this podcast is released. Nice. There's. You know, a decent amount. Again, eight from Texas sure. A&M, a couple from TCU, a couple from Baylor, a couple from Texas, of course. Uh, it's an interesting list. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. Again, North Texas not getting a kid invited, and Rice and Texas State each getting one invited. That's a little wild. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's a little <laughs> wild. I mean, granted, we're Jack Fox fans. So we like, are Jack Fox stands. Yeah. So it, it, it's really a shame that Braden Mann ended up being the best punter in America because otherwise we would have been all aboard all the Jack over Fox. Fox. <laughs> all over. We would have been showering rice with so much praise. <laughs> anyway, Ish, where can we find your work? Uh, you can find my work at TexasBasketball.com. This weekend I will be at the Girls State Championship Games uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Saturday is the finals. Uh, obviously, you can also find my work at Texas Football, in addition to you guys as well, and find me on Twitter, Ishmael R. Johnson. Yeah. Who you got uh, Who you got in the, the women's tournament this, this weekend? <sighs> Man, uh, the big story is Argyle going for six straight. Six straight, uh, wow. Allen looking for their first state championship, uh, which wow. is surprising considering. Yeah, uh, considering they have 15 million kids at their school. Right. And last year they won their first boys, so the girls are trying to match them now. Nice. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. This is my first state uh, girls t- tournament ever going to. So, nice. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. Well, yeah, you can find all my work at textfootball.com. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. You can like us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can follow me on Twitter at Shahan J. Araja. If just just check the website if you need the spelling <laughs> on that. Um, but uh, we'd like to give another quick thank you to North Texas Honda dealers. North Texas Honda dealers, they're here to help. Uh, I'll tell you what, I hope that uh, I hope that they're helping out our, our buddy Greg, who... <laughs> oh, man, he needs, he needs so many cars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, uh, yeah, his, his, uh, yeah his, he needs one for his wife now, and apparently, hopefully his car is fine. His, yeah, his, his wife, I think, got rear-ended, and yeah. now her car is totaled. His, she's fine. Yeah, yeah. Thank God she's fine. Uh, Greg's car's in the shop right now. Yeah. His computer's broken. Uh, I don't know if they can help with it's that. It's been a two weeks from help. Yeah. Greg. So, so Honda, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> we need your help, help out. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys again next week.